Section 19 of Fantasy Fairies and Ghosts by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bonbon, Part 3. If Bonbon had been astonished at the incident of the book, his amazement was now increased to an intolerable degree by the spectacle which here presented itself to view. In raising his eyes with a strong feeling of curiosity to ascertain the colour of his guests, he found them by no means black, as he had anticipated, nor grey, as might have been imagined, nor yet hazel, nor blue, nor indeed yellow, nor red, nor purple, nor white, nor green, nor any other colour in the heavens above, or in the earth beneath, or in the waters under the earth, in short, Pierre Bonbon not only saw plainly that His Majesty had no eyes whatsoever, but could discover no indications of their having existed at any previous period, for the space where eyes should naturally have been was, I am constrained to say, simply a dead level of cadaverous flesh. It was not in the nature of the metaphysician to forbear making some inquiry into the sources of so strange a phenomenon, and to his surprise the reply of His Majesty was at once prompt, dignified, and satisfactory. Eyes, my dear Bonbon, eyes, did you say? Oh, ah, I perceive. The ridiculous prints, eh, which are in circulation, have given you a false idea of my personal appearance. Eyes! True. Eyes, Pierre Bonbon, are very well in their proper place. That, you would say, is the head. Right? The head of a worm. To you, likewise, these optics are indispensable. Yet I will convince you that my vision is more penetrating than your own. There is a cat, I see, in the corner. A pretty cat. Look at her. Observe her well. Now, Bonbon, do you behold the thoughts? The thoughts, I say, the ideas, the reflections, engendering in her pericranium? There it is now. You do not. She is thinking we admire the profundity of her mind. She has just concluded that I am the most distinguished of ecclesiastics, and that you are the most superfluous of metaphysicians. Thus you see, I am not altogether blind, but to one of my profession the eyes you speak of would be merely an encumbrance, liable at any time to be put out by a toasting iron or a pitchfork. To you, I allow, these optics are indispensable. Endeavour, Bonbon, to use them well. My vision is the soul. Hereupon the guest helped himself to the wine upon the table, and pouring out a bumper for Bonbon, requested him to drink it without scruple, and make himself perfectly at home. A clever book, that of yours, Pierre, resumed His Majesty, tapping our friend knowingly upon the shoulder, as the latter set down his glass after a thorough compliance with this injunction. A clever book, that of yours, upon my honour. It's a work after my own heart. Your arrangement of matter, I think, 
however, might be improved, and many of your notions remind me of Aristotle. That philosopher was one of my most intimate acquaintances. I liked him as much for his terrible ill-temper as for his happy knack at making a blunder. There is only one solid truth in all that he has written, and for that I gave him the hint out of pure compassion for his absurdity. I suppose, Pierre Bonbon, you very well know to what divine moral truth I am alluding. Cannot say that I, indeed, why I told Aristotle, that by sneezing men expelled superfluous ideas through the proboscis, which is <laughs> undoubtedly the case, said the metaphysician, while he poured out for himself another bumper of Mousseau and offered his snuff-box to the fingers of his visitor. There was Plato, too, continued his majesty, modestly declining the snuff-box and the compliment. There was Plato, too, for whom I, at one time, felt all the affection of a friend. You knew Plato, Bonbon? Ah, no, I beg a thousand pardons. He met me at Athens one day in the Parthenon, and told me he was distressed for an idea. I bade him write down that Onu estin Augus. He said that he would do so and went home, while I stepped over to the pyramids. But my conscience smote me for the lie, and hastening back to Athens, I arrived behind the philosopher's chair as he was indicting the Augas, giving the gamma a fillip with my finger, I turned it upside down. So the sentence now reads, O nu estin aulos, and is, you perceive, the fundamental doctrine of his metaphysics. Were you ever at Rome? asked the restaurateur, as he finished his second bottle of Mousseau, and drew from the closet a larger supply of vin de Chambertin. But once, Monsieur Bonbon, but once, there was a time, said the devil, as if reciting some passage from a book, there was an anarchy of five years, during which the Republic, bereft of all its officers, had no magistracy besides the tribunes of the people, and these were not legally vested with any degree of executive power. At that time, Monsieur Bonbon, at that time only I was in Rome, and I have no earthly acquaintance, consequently, with any of its philosophy. What do you think of Epicurus? What do you think of Epicurus? What do I think of whom? What do I think of whom? said the devil in astonishment. You cannot surely mean to find any fault with Epicurus. What do I think of Epicurus? Do you mean me, sir? I am Epicurus. I am the same philosopher who wrote each of the three hundred treatises commemorated by Diogenes, Laertes. That's a lie, said the metaphysician, for the wine had gotten a little into his head. Very well, very well, sir, very well indeed, sir, said his majesty. That's a lie, repeated the restaurateur dogmatically. That's a <laughs> lie. Well, well, have it your own way, said the devil pacifically, and Bonbon, having beaten his majesty at an argument, thought it his duty to conclude a second bottle of Chambertin. As I was saying, resumed the visitor, as I was observing a little while ago, 
There are some very outre notions in that book of yours, Monsieur Bonbon. What, for instance, do you mean by all that humbug about the soul? Pray, sir, what is the soul? The soul, repeated the metaphysician, referring to his M.S., is undoubtedly no, sir. Indubitably, no, sir. Indisputably, no, sir. Evidently, no, sir. Incontrovertibly, no, sir. Heck, no, sir. And beyond all question, a no, sir. The soul is no such thing. Here the philosopher finished his third bottle of Chambertin. Then, heck, pray, sir, what, what is it? That is neither here nor there, Monsieur Bonbon, replied his majesty, musingly. I have tasted, that is to say, I have known some very bad souls, and some two pretty good ones. Here the devil licked his lips, and having unconsciously let fall his hand upon the volume in his pocket, was seized with a violent fit of sneezing. His majesty continued. There was the soul of Cratinus, passable, Aristophanes, racy, Plato, exquisite, not your Plato, but Plato the comic poet. Your Plato would have turned the stomach of Severus. Fah! Then let me see. There was Novius, and Andronicus, and Plautus, and Terentius. Then there were Lucilius, and Catullus, and Naso, and Quintius Flaccus, dear Quinty, as I called him when he sung a secular for my amusement, while I toasted him in pure good humour on a fork. But they want flavour, these Romans. One fat Greek is worth a dozen of them, and besides, we'll keep, which cannot be said of a curite. Let us taste your sauterne. Bonbon had by this time made up his mind to the nil admirari and endeavoured to hand down the bottles in question. He was, however, conscious of a strange sound in the room, like the wagging of a tail. Of this, although extremely indecent in his majesty, the philosopher took no notice, simply kicking the black water-dog and requesting him to be quiet. The visitor continued. I found that Horace tasted very much like Aristotle. You know I am fond of variety. Terentius, I could not have told from Menander. Nay so, to my astonishment, was Nicander in disguise. Virgilius had a strong twang of Theocritus. Marshall put me much in mind of Archilochus, and Titus Livy was positively Polybius and none other. Hiccup! Here! replied Bonbon, and his majesty proceeded. But if I have a penchant, Monsieur Bonbon, if I have a penchant, it is for a philosopher. Yet, let me tell you, sir, it is not every death, I mean, it is not every gentleman who knows how to choose a philosopher. Long ones are not good, and the best, if not carefully shelled, are apt to be a little rancid on account of the gall. Shelled? I mean, taken out of the carcass. What do you think of... <laughs> Physician, don't mention them. Ugh! 
Ugh! Here his majesty retched violently. I never tasted but one, that rascal Hippocrates, smelt of asafoetida. Ugh! Ugh! Caught a wretched cold washing him in the sticks, and after all he gave me the cholera morbus. The <laughs> wretch ejaculated Bonbon, the <laughs> abortion of a pillbox, and the philosopher dropped a tear. After all, continued the visitor, after all, if a de if a gentleman wishes to live, he must have more talents than one or two, and with us a fat face is an evidence of diplomacy. How so? Why, we are sometimes exceedingly pushed for provisions. You must know that in a climate so sultry as mine, it is frequently impossible to keep a spirit alive for more than two or three hours. And after death, unless pickled immediately, and a pickled spirit is not good, they will smell, you understand, eh? Putrefaction is always to be apprehended when the spirits are consigned to us in the usual way. <laughs> good God, how do you manage? Here the iron lamp commenced swinging with redoubled violence, and the devil half started from his seat. However, with a slight sigh, he recovered his composure, merely saying to our hero in a low tone, I tell you what, Pierre Bonbon, we must have no more swearing. Bonbon swallowed another bumper, and his visitor continued. Why, there are several ways of managing. The most of us starve. Some put up with the pickle. For my part, I purchase my spirits viventi corpore, in which case I find they keep very well. But the body... The body, vociferated the philosopher, as he finished a bottle of sauterne. The body, the body, well, what of the body? Oh, ah, I perceive. Why, sir, the body is not at all affected by the transaction. I have made innumerable purchases of the kind in my day, and the parties never experience any inconvenience. There was Cain and Nimrod, and Nero, and Caligula, and Dionysus, and Pisistratus, and, and a thousand others, who never knew what it was to have a soul during the latter part of their lives. Yet, sir, these men adorned society. Why isn't there a... Now, whom you know as well as I, is he not in possession of all his faculties, mental and corporeal? Who writes a keener epigram, who reasons more wittily? Who? But stay, I have his agreement in my pocket-book. Thus saying, he produced a red leather wallet, and took from it a number of papers. Upon some of these Bonbon caught a glimpse of the letters. M-A-C-H-I M-A-Z-A R-I-C-H And the words Caligula and Elizabeth. His Majesty selected a narrow slip of parchment, and from it read aloud the following words. In consideration of certain mental endowments, which it is unnecessary to specify, and in farther consideration of one thousand louis d'or, I, being aged one year and one month, 
do hereby make over to the bearer of this agreement all my right, title, and appurtenance in the shadow called my soul. Signed, A. Here His Majesty repeated a name which I do not feel myself justifiable in indicating more unequivocally. A clever fellow, that A, resumed he, but like you, Monsieur Bonbon, he was mistaken about the soul. The soul, a shadow, truly. No such nonsense, Monsieur Bonbon. The soul, a shadow. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Only think of a fricassade shadow. Only think of a fricassade shadow, echoed our hero, whose faculties were becoming gloriously illuminated by the profundity of His Majesty's discourse. Only think of a fricassade shadow. Now, damn! Humph! If I would have been such a <laughs> nincompoop, my soul, mister, humph. Your soul, Monsieur Bonbon? Yes, sir. <laughs> my soul is what, sir? No shadow, damn. Did not mean to say. Yes, sir. My soul is <laughs> humph. Yes, sir. Did not intend to assert. My soul is <laughs> peculiarly qualified for a what sir stew ha souffle eh fricassee indeed ragout or fricando and i'll let you have it a bargain couldn't think of such a thing said his majesty calmly at the same time arising from his seat the metaphysician stared am supplied at present said his majesty <laughs> eh said the philosopher have no funds on hand what besides very ungentlemanly in me sir to take advantage of <laughs> your present situation here his majesty bowed and withdrew in what manner the philosopher could not precisely ascertain but in a well-concerted effort to discharge a bottle at the villain, the slender chain was severed that depended from the ceiling, and the metaphysician prostrated by the downfall of the lamp. End of section 19